How many of you are thankful today that we have an advocate with a father? We talked about that last week, and that we have someone who is a propitiation of our sins. He goes to work. In that vernacular, the Bible never did, never did um, tell us to do something. It told us to let God, let Christ do something. He goes to work for us when we fail. He goes to work. Not we go to work. He goes to work. But we're going to kind of stay in that that vein because I think it's something that um, we just have such a poor in this in this day and age, with all the information that we have available to us, we have a very poor view of God, and it causes a lot of anxiety in, inside the church, and it causes a lot of fear, and it causes a lot of apprehension, and knee-jerk responses, and off-the-cuff comments that we have grown in the church to to believe, and much of it, I'm not going to say all of it, but much of it is just not true, and so we've got to find out who is he, how does he operate and respond, we've just been so concerned with the world and what it's doing, we're so concerned with what our neighbor's doing and what somebody else is doing, and we're so concerned about ourselves. we and all of that is a focus on flesh. And it makes you carnally minded. It makes me carnally minded. Do I go in there into the rabbit hole once in a while? Sure I do. But I know I got to get out, cut that off, because I know who my Redeemer is, and I will see him in the end. Amen? He will be the conqueror of all conquerors in the end. The day will come when he will put his foot on Jerusalem. He will put his foot on that hill. He will put his foot up there where the golden dome is. He's going to put his foot there. And when he does, the world will know who's in charge. There is coming a day of peace. Amen? But it's not right now. So we just need to wrap our head around that. There's things happening around us right now. And Jesus said, when you see these certain things, know that the time is at hand. He said, know that the seasons, know them just like seasons. We get a kick out of Dottie. We were... I don't mean to make fun of Dottie here, but we get a kick out of her every year. I don't know. As long as I've been able to hold the phone and get messages from Dottie, Dottie has always came out with the, with the almanac, Farmer's Almanac, every year. And she's always predicting wintertime's coming and we're going to get snow. I think she loves snow. And I think she wants to see snow. And every year she tells us we're going to get snow you know, one of these years we're going to get a lot of it because she's just been talking about it for a long time. She's going to call it into existence before it's over with. But even though we see the changes of the, of the season taking place right now, the colors are starting to pop, leaves are falling, grass is dying, the temperatures are cooling, but we do not know when the day or the hour when the snow's coming, do we? But we know we're probably going to get some, don't we? Right? 
We don't know the day and the hour. He said, you do not know the day or the hour when the Son of Man will return. But you will know by looking at the seasons. I can tell you right now, if there's anybody in here that's about 75 years old. 75? Are you 75? Take a good look at that generation because God said that generation, Jesus said that generation will not pass away before my return. Well, how do you know that? Israel became a nation 75 years ago. The olive branch shot out. And he said, when you see that, just like watching the seasons, know that before. You know, Pat and I know we do the kind of work we do. We're going to be out there in the elements. And we know before, before March or April rolls around, we're going to get some ice. We're going to get some snow. We're going to get some windy, cold weather, and we prepare for it. Do we know when it's coming? No. Sometimes we get fooled all year long, and then all of a sudden, bam, in March it hits, you know, and you're going, why now? You know, we're, about, we're almost at the end here. But we need to understand that Christ is coming. But because we know that, he also said, that we were to tarry until he comes. And that word tarry is to continue in the destiny that he has called for you. God has a plan for you. Say it with me. God has a plan for me. And he is working that plan and planning. He's already planned that work and he's now working that plan. Whether you can see it or whether... You feel like you've messed it up or done something to delay it or, or whatever. Understand the plan that God has for you. He already saw the delays. Because he already made the plan. He had a plan for you while you were in your mother's womb. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So he knows everything from beginning to end. He doesn't tell you you're going to make it and you're not. That, that God doesn't plan it that way. The Bible says he predestines all of us. You know what predestin that predestination is a marvelous thing. Because what it means is he's already pre-planned you to be saved. That's his plan. But what we need to understand is we have the right to ever enter into that plan. And it starts with salvation. To step in to his plan for your life. We don't enter into his plan for our life until we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and then begin to know him. Because there's only two things really in this whole life that you're going to have to do as a Christian. Only two things. So if I, if I ask the church, what would those answers look like? Well, we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind and all our soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the two plans. No, that's a result. When we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, when we don't love the Lord with all of our heart, that's a result of something. 
The only two things you have to do, say, well, obedience. Obedience is a result. People really think because they attend church every Sunday and they give their tithe and offering that they're in. And that's not in the kingdom. There's only two things you have to do. And that is to believe and repent. Believe. Say it with me. Believe and repent. What is repentance? It's to change our mind about something and then towards something. How many of you have had a wayward child? It's a perfect example. What does it feel like when that wayward child, they have accused you, that when you were a terrible parent, they let you know how terrible you were. They let you know all, this, all the mistakes you made. And then they have a child. Enough said, huh? <laughs> when they don't have children, they don't understand. They can just keep pointing the finger at what? A lousy. And you know, when you get down to the root of it, those of you who have got a little more gray hair than me, you've had more experience than me in this, you always find out it was over some stupid, just some stupid, stupid thing that was misconstrued, misinterpreted, miss something, and you go home to your wife and you look at each other going, do you ever remember that? Hello? Some of you are laughing because you all know what I'm talking about. Did we ever have that conversation? Did that even ever happen? You know, okay? But what a glorious day it is, the day that they come to themselves and they change their mind about you and then start changing their mind towards you. Wow. Wow. There's nothing like it. Amen? And that comes from them starting to believe who you really were all along. Okay, now let's take this to a whole nother level. When we get to believing, get to knowing who God is, this is why church is so important. This is why a Bible study is so important. This is why note-taking is so important. This is why when God speaks over your life, you need to write that down somewhere and don't forget it. When you hear something in, in, the, in, in church, and that's why ch church is supposed to be a very fine place for that. We hope that you, you experience that from time to time here. We don't expect you to experience it every single time, but from time to time, you should be sitting in this church service, in a church service here at High Point, and when the words come out, it touches your heart differently than all the other words. You heard that one, and all of a sudden, it was like life to you. That was a word from the Lord. And you know what's crazy about that? Most of the time, I don't remember saying it. Come to me and say, Pastor, that, Dean, what you said on that Sunday, this and this, what I'll have to go back and look at the tape. I'm not sure that I even said that. I don't remember saying that. Because it's not me saying it. It's God speaking through us. And let me tell you something. When you sit underneath that, listening to that, that gets a hold of you. And the next thing you know, somebody's coming to you and saying, 
man, you said something that, and you're going, I didn't do anything. Yeah, you did. God spoke through you. That's all you did. Thank God he used you, spoke through you, and the word became flesh and dwelt among came up, became life. Amen? So what I want you to know is God has a plan for you. He's already, he's already planned that, that work. Now he's working his plan in your life. Okay? And he's working every moment in your life. Every single moment in your life, he's working that plan. You say, well, I don't understand this. And understand I'm going to tell you, there's, there's a couple examples we can look at in the Bible on this. But let me read this, and, I'll, I'll, and, and you help me remember. We'll go to some of those examples because sometimes people go, well, how can God bring this into my life? That, it, it, somebody died. Something happened. I lost a marriage. I lost a friend. I lost a child. You know, some of those things can be horrible. But God didn't do those things. God did not do those things. God did not do those things. That was not part of God's plan for your life. Okay? So let's, let's, let's look at this. Romans chapter 8. And he's, it's verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. All of God's intercession for you through the Holy Spirit is the will of God. That's one reason why it's very important for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Why do I, you don't hear me, we are a, we're a full gospel, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call us, word of faith, whatever you want to call us, but I'm going to tell you I believe in all of it. And part of it is being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a, separate, is a second work of grace in your life, and there's a purpose for it because the, the way the Holy Spirit prays for you is he either has to pray through you or he has to pray through someone else to get the perfect will of God spoken. Other than that, we always, the Bible says we know in part and we speak in part. Therefore, we can only pray in part. But if we want the full will of, he just said it. Watch this. Now he, he's talking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit or of God. Because he makes intercession. Who? The Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints only according to the will of God. He cannot speak anything but the will of God. That's why it's very important, Pat and I are, are very, this is just a very important part of our life, when we believe God's taking us in a direction, we always pray in the Spirit. We always get in that realm and pray in the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will speak through us and pray through us the perfect will of God. 
And after that time with him speaking in tongues, this is, the, the Bible is very clear about this. This is not for the open, you guys have been to Pentecostal churches and one speaks in tongues and another one gives an interpretation and the people that just came in that don't even know Jesus is listening to this thinking, what in the world is going on here? You know, they don't even understand it. Some people who've been in church all their life look at it and go, I don't know what's going on. It, this, the, the gift of the Spirit is not to be to get a job or get a position on the board. I went to a church for a long time. People were seeking the gift of the Holy Spirit so they could serve on the board. Because you couldn't be on the board unless you had the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which, that's a good thing. That's not a bad... But, but it, became the, it became the reason why people wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so they could be a part of that power. A part of that... It had not, and that's because it was taught poorly. The Bible's very clear that you need to be spirit-filled. It's a prerequisite for leading people. You want to be a leader? Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is part of that. Because you want the Spirit doing the work and not you. God wants the Spirit doing the work and not you. Say it with me again. God wants the Spirit to do the work and not me. He wants to work through you. Amen. Amen. All right. So watch this. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, okay, before we go any further, who, to those who are called, who are the called according to his purpose. Here's where you have two illustrations in the Word. In the Old Testament, there's two illustrations of God finding someone and called them. And when he called them, one, he called a group of people, and one, he called an individual to lead a group of people, to give the group of people a, their 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 position to go in a direction. In those two areas, you see the individual conflict and you see the, the masses of conflict. And one didn't really do anything wrong. Um, the call itself took on its own legs. And, and I'm going to tell you, the call of God to your destiny will take on its own legs. It takes on its own legs after you find out and realize who you are. Who you are in Christ is the first thing you need to know. You need to be confident that you are loved. Confident that he is in control. Confident that, that, that he has a plan for me and I need to quit fearing. He said, fear not 365 times in the Bible. Really, for real. He said it 365 times. Why would he say, fear not, 365 times? It covers every day of your life, every, every year of your life, for the rest of your life. He, he who called you into this good work, he who called you into himself 
will be faithful to complete the good work he started. He's the one that started it. Did you start a, 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 a salvation in you? He started salvation in you. He called, him to, he called you to himself. He started this, and he will be faithful to complete it. Now, here's what can happen to us. Joseph, Joseph knew who he was. He knew. He knew. He, he knew he was daddy's favorite. How many of you know that you're daddy's favorite? Do you know your daddy's favorite? See, you've got to know that you're your father's favorite, that he has you covered, that he has a plan for your life. Amen? We get this idea that God has this plan, and I don't know where we get it, but somehow we get deceived into thinking that because God has this plan for us, why, the rest of my life is just going to go like it's supposed to. And that is a deception. Is it going to go in the direction he, he willed it? Absolutely. Joseph, when Joseph received the dream, the first thing he did, and I believe that it was fully God-ordained, because God had to get him from that dream to the palace. He had to get him there where he was in control of the harvest, the food, the, 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 the distribution. And through that time period, he had to instill wisdom in him. Now, we find out around the campfire with his brothers, he had absolutely no wisdom. Right? He's the youngest. They're all jealous of him, and he knew it. And just like most spoiled Baby children, the youngest, he, he began to tell all the rest of them that he had a dream and that he was going to be top of the heap. And all you're going to come begging to me for what you need. Well, you know, it stirred up trouble. Now, if Joseph had a fault, that was about the only fault he had. But he did have that fault. Immaturity, inexperience. And, 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 and no wisdom. Did you know God doesn't call us complete? Quit looking at people that you think are complete, thinking, well, God called them because, well, look at them. They're, you know, they're complete. God doesn't call complete. The Bible says he calls the simple to confound the wise. If you got it all together, what do you need Jesus for? You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. He calls people with, a, with, with great weaknesses because we all have great weaknesses. That's why he calls us all. We're all called. Amen? It's just very few receive it. And that's how you become chosen. By receiving. By accepting. By accepting him as your personal Savior. See, accepting him as your personal Savior isn't just that, well, life, I now go to church. I live my life however, and I, when I get in trouble, I'll call him and talk to him and see if he can bail me out, and we'll just get through life that way. That's not how life is supposed to be. He says you're, to, you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Amen. 
So Joseph, his dream, when he confessed it and got it out there, it took legs. And had Joseph known what the path was going to look like to get there, do you think Joseph would have taken it? And neither would you. If you knew every step of the way, you'd say, uh-uh. I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not equipped for that. I don't think I can. And God says, no, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to. And you have to know that he is involved in every step of the way. He's bringing favor. He's bringing protection. He's bringing resources. He's bringing peace with all of that. What are you supposed to do? Believe and repent. Joseph had to, his life was a life of repentance. From repentance, remember, repentance is not I'm sorry. He didn't live a life of sorrow. He lived a life of change. The Bible says he wants to take us from glory into glory, into glory by Christ Jesus. What is that? Transformation to transformation to transformation. It's an ever-evolving transformation and change. You should know more today than you did last year this time, and you should expect to be transformed even more to next year. Knowing as an understanding, receiving, believing, and capturing the wisdom of all that that's encapsulated in that. Because you're drawing closer and closer to him, knowing your father. And the more you know your father, the more you're not just changed by him, but you're changed towards him. You begin to learn to trust him to a place where you just trust him. You know. You know your redeemer lives. Amen? You know he's alive in your situation. And you know that all you've got to do is make sure and this is where, God, you gain great respect with the Father, is making sure whatever path you're taking, it is the one he designated for you. And there's nothing scarier for the human being to stop in their tracks and say, okay, God, am I on the path you chose? And if I'm not, how do I get there? Because you thought all along you was on the path. You thought all along is all behind you. You thought all along you're there. Amen. You know what that's called? Humility. That's called humility and putting your knee to the ground and saying, God, I'm not God. You are God. And I just want what you have for me, not what I think I have for me. And in that, the, the training begins. And by the time Joseph got to the place where he was supposed to be, he had been so transformed, his brothers and even his father could not recognize him. Wow. See, God wants to transform you to such a level that everybody that saw you as a failure, everybody that tried to help you fail, Everybody who sold you off, everybody who betrayed you, everybody who didn't believe in you will look at you and go, I don't know who that is. 
Ah, oh, you know him. Yeah, you know. No, I, I don't think I do. Who, who is that? That's so-and-so. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Now you recognize him. That's what God wants to do with your life. Say it, he's working right now on it. He's working right now on it, folks. Now, what about the other scenario? There's another scenario out there, and it's, it's the, 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 the children of Israel. God sent a delivery. He had a word for them. They had been crying out, asking God to move, asking God to deliver them from Egypt's bondage. And God sent a, sent a deliverer. Moses had a word. When Moses came, they didn't even want to believe the word. They found, I mean, Moses, Moses stepped out there. Moses had a temper. I don't know if you noticed throughout those stories of Moses. You know, that last incident where he struck the rock, you know, remember that? And God said, okay, your temper has gone to the point where now you have thrown a fit in front of all the people. You know what happened when he did something outwardly in front of all the people? He lost his opportunity to go to the promised land. He lost the promise by doing it out there and open. Okay? But you're not Moses. God's not given the law through you. He's given Jesus Christ, and he's given grace through him to you. Amen? You're not under the law. You're under grace. Amen? So you're not going to lose your slot into the kingdom and going into the promised land, but you can delay it. What delayed the children of Israel? Simply not believing and repenting. It's the only thing that stopped. That's the only thing that slowed them down. And they had to go through a process. It was 40, eh, scholars say all kinds of things, but we know, let's just shoot in the middle, it wasn't. It wasn't years, it wasn't months, it was days to leave Egypt and get into the promised land. Days. Some say 40 days turned into 40 years. What, did the, what was the purpose of the 40 years? We have to understand what the purpose of the 40 years was. It was to... Let all of the flesh or unbelief die. Because unbelief stops transformation. Somebody, nobody will transform and renew, allow their, their self to be renewed to the will of God if they don't believe in God. And the reason someone, that, see, there's your answer. They don't believe God. That's why they won't transform. They have no interest in transforming. They're just hoping that by the time they get there, that if there is a God, that he'll give them a shot, that I can maybe make it in. Maybe he'll have mercy on me that day. Did you know that's such a deception? Because he has mercy on you now. On that day, it's not that he doesn't have mercy anymore. It's just that you chose to go into eternity without him. And now you're without him for eternity. 
And that's a scary thing. I had a man that was so deceived, known him almost all my life. He was a pistol, loved him. Oh, I love that man. Taught me more about the business that I'm in than anybody ever taught me. Talked to him about the Lord a time or two. Tried to get, and he just, a friend of mine went to go talk to him on his deathbed. And said, please, just consider, just consider Jesus Christ. And he looked at him straight in the eye just a few, just a little bit before he died. He looked at him and said, I've never asked God for anything. I've done plenty in this life that I don't deserve repentance. I don't deserve forgiveness. And I'll just meet him as I am. He went out into eternity without ever accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Because he felt like pride got in the way and he felt like I didn't ask him for anything up to this point. I'm not going to I'm not going to get myself bailed out here at the end. I got news for you. God loves you so much that he'll take you at the end. Amen. He wants you. Amen. He wants you. But here's the thing. He can't make you. Amen. So here's what happened to the people in the in in see Joseph believed Joseph went through all that thing, believing and repenting, believing and repenting. Believe, walking that walk the way you sh we should walk it doesn't mean the walk's going to be easy. But I can tell you it's a lot shorter than it is determining in yourself and having to go through the process to get it all worked out of you. But here's the thing, the end result was conquering. The bottom line is the end of your journey is going to be the blessing of God. Whether you take the long way around the barnyard or whether you say, okay, whatever my destiny is, whatever lot is before me, that I will take and let's move forward. Joseph never lost anything except for his relationship with his with his family, and he gained it all back at the end. Those children of Israel lost children. They lost grandchildren. They lost husbands. They lost wives. They lost cattle. They lost all kinds of stuff out there that by fighting with repentance and believing. Believing and repenting. What is it? The only thing we have to deal with? Believing. And repenting. Say, hey, God, you know what? <laughs> I'm just willing to change. Show me what I don't know about you so that I can know. And then what I know, I will, I will determine to change my mind about that. See, until you de determine to change your mind that God, Jesus Christ really is my advocate. Jesus Christ really is my propitiation. Jesus Christ really is that you'll never stop when you fail. You'll never stop trying to fix it. And then when you get to feel a little better, you'll come back around. And you'll never stop until you change your mind that, wait a second, 
it is not for me to try to fix this. It is for me to run to his, his, his lap. It's for me to run to him and say, Father, you already know my, I'm a mess. But I'm willing for you to change me. If you show me. See, sometimes, and I'm going to tell you something, guys. I've, I've had struggles, serious struggles in my life. In my own personal walk and my own personal flesh. Addictive behaviors and attitudes and, and um, anger and, and my words could just be horrible to people. And I can tell you those are the worst words you'll ever have is when your tongue is used toward people. Because that is God's pre most precious creation is people. And when you say mean and despiteful, horrible, just because you got to get it out, you know, because you got to say what you got to say, you got to let them know, I'm going to let them have it, I'll fix them. You, you, you're not doing anything. And I had all that mess. But I can tell you, when I tried to fix it myself, it always seemed like a mountain that was un. Passable. I couldn't climb that. I always thought it was something really bad wrong with me. I always thought it was something that I had done, and now here I am trapped in this circle around the mountain, working, walking around in circles in my own wilderness. You know what I found out? When I started asking God, somewhere along the line, I got into a message. Somebody spoke it, and I heard it. It was different than any other day, and I heard it, and it started, started me down a path of going, wait a second, why am I trying to figure this out? Why am I trying to decipher this? Why don't I ask God, what is making me do this that I hate? That thing that I look in the mirror and go, I wish that wasn't me. What, what do I, how do I fix that? How, what is it? And every single time, it was something that I could change my mind about. That matter of fact, I was thrilled about changing my mind about. It wasn't anything that I thought it was. It was always and has always been something else. That instead of rolling the burden on me, the moment he said, this is what you're dealing with, it rolled the burden off of me. And you know what I found in my life? And this is what you'll find in yours. You might not have much of a line drawn in the sand with the devil. You might just kind of look at him like you would a guy you don't want to mess with at the bar. I just stay on his side and I'll stay on mine. If you've never been to the bar, then you don't know. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but across the room or whatever. I just stay on my side. They stay on theirs. We'll walk out of here peaceably, and we all go home in one piece. And that may be how you handle the devil. But when you begin to find out, when God begins to open your heart, take you down the paths of pain and hurt and heartache that caused you to callous and be what you've been, and he heals you of that, your wife will know. Your children will know. 
everyone around you will know that you have now been touched by God and you're not all calloused up, but now you're open to be healed. Amen? But when you find that out and God reveals it to you, you begin to realize it was the devil working through someone and some bodies throughout my life, causing me to believe what I believed and handling things on my own, justifying myself with Scripture, justifying myself with, with the contents of God's Word, justifying myself with the church, justifying myself with religion. Okay? And you begin to draw a line on the devil because what I found about the devil he's a child molester the devil picks on children he what you're dealing with today in those areas of your life he hurt you when you were just a little child before you could stand up on your own two feet before you had your frontal cortex completely evolved where you could think forward. He always got you before you could think forward. Amen? Most of it happened long before you could think forward. And it's caused you to protect yourself. It's caused you to, to think for yourself. It's caused you to try to figure out how to protect yourself. I built a wall so high around my heart. I didn't think anybody, you remember King Chesney wrote the song, I built a wall around my heart so high. We build that wall so nobody can get in because the enemy came in as a child and hurt us. Maybe it was a childhood sweetheart. Might have been the first date. Might have been a guy in high school. Might have been a girl in high school. Might have been a guy or girl in college. It might have been a friend. It might have been a family member. It might have been parents unknowing. They were raised rough, now they raise you rough. Maybe you talk too rough. I, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you were introduced to things you shouldn't have been introduced to. And you've been fighting it yourself. I can tell you right now, quit fighting it yourself. That's my advice today. Go to God and say, Father, this thing, every time I look in the mirror that I hate the most, show me. Show me. That takes some guts because when you ask him, you're asking according to his will because he wants to show you because showing you, he can heal you. And when you're healed, all of a sudden, through your weakness, you're now made strong. Amen. And now you begin to learn the devices of the enemy and you can call him out for it and bind him like you've been bound and you can set him aside and, and cast him out of those situations rather than you being bound and shoved in a corner and letting it, it just all happen to happen around you and to you and, and you not be able to do anything about it. We are made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He will take everything and he will work it to your good. Was this all right today? This is tough. I don't, I don't so much like exposing myself like this today in my heart. 
But I'm telling you, the road is going back to say, hey, because I'm going to tell you, it might have been people that you can point at and see faces that did it, but it wasn't those people. They were hurt just as bad as you are, and, and the enemy used them. Amen? I'm going to tell you, this is where the, where the God of all the universe, who is now your father, so your daddy, he's, your, he's daddy to you. He's, he's dad to you. He's the God of the universe. He's got influence. He knows some stuff. But this is where, this is where you can lean on him and go to him and he will show you and you'll be able to forgive and when you forgive, you'll be forgiven. <laughs> when you set them free, he's setting you free. And love will flow like a river in your life. But it comes down to, listen, you're children of God and you're struggling and the time for the struggle is over. Say it with me. The time for the struggle is over. I'm done. And I'm done trying to fix the flesh with flesh. I'm going to go to the Spirit, the Spirit, the God of all. And I'm going to go to Him because He knows. Hmm. Was this part of his plan to hurt you, for you to feel that hurt, for all that to happen to you and to struggle? No, that was not his plan. But today is his plan to set it right in eternity, amen, and to give you back everything the devil stole from you. I'm telling you, you begin to see this, you start drawing a line in the sand. You start seeing the devil for who he is, and you don't play around with him anymore. Amen? Draw the line in the sand, and you don't, you don't step over this. This is the bloodline, and you can't step over this anymore. You can't bind me anymore. You can't hurt me anymore. I'm a healing in process, and I'm being restored, and I'm going from glory to into glory, into glory by Christ Jesus. And that's the amen on it. And I will believe that, and I will believe nothing else. When you start that up, folks, I'm telling you, Pat and I are in a challenge right now. Big challenge. But we had a word of God on it. We knew it was our destiny. We knew this was the purpose of God in our life. And we got a word, of, word on it. And we know he will work all things together for the good. We will be more than conquerors. We will be more than victors. God will put us in a position where we have a quantum leap in the middle of this thing. And it's going to be bigger than what others could even imagine. Amen? There's no failure. There's only learning. And since my mind and heart is set on repenting, and, and, and believing, I will believe what the Father says and I will repent and I will turn to where he is speaking and I will see the glory of God in my life. And I don't care how the kids act up. 
I don't care how the parents act up. I don't care how the aunts and uncles act up. I don't care how the city acts up. I don't care how Washington acts up. I don't care how Chicago acts up. I don't care how Biden acts up. I don't care how Pritzker acts up. I don't care. I don't care if they throw my whole retirement into arbitration with some crazy judge somewhere. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I do not trust the union. I don't trust the Social Security. I don't trust anything but God. Hello? Amen. Why? Because I know my Redeemer lives. How do I know that? Because the life of Christ has entered in my life and he has healed me. And he is continuing to heal me. Amen? Hallelujah. You receive that today? You receive that today? Father, we thank you for your word today. We give you glory and praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name, we love you. We receive your word. And Father, we are healed because you said we're healed. We are delivered because you have sent your deliverer. And Father, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us, you will condemn. In Jesus' name, we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. Amen. We'll see you next week.